This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, Nick Loper here from the Side Hustle Show. When I'm not helping people earn money outside of their day job, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we're hacking our way to financial success with quick and easy tips and tricks that'll make your wallet happy. Today, we welcome the author of the new book, Money Hacks, 275 ways to decrease spending, increase savings, and make your money work for you. It's Lisa Rowan. Plus, for all the men out there, does the size of your <clears throat> have an impact on your financial life? We'll talk about a recent piece that shares some interesting data on this question during our headline segment. And finally, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Nick, who has a question about the best way to bridge the disability insurance gap. How much disability insurance is enough, and where should he buy it? And of course, I'll toss out some craftily created financial hack trivia. And now, two guys who are hurrying to finish off the leftovers before mom throws them out. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I get the stuffing. Stuffing is probably one of the worst things about Thanksgiving, so. Are you kidding me? It's one of the best. So you're not challenging me. How about the... What are you taking as your first draft choice? Pie. It's not a question. (laughs) Are we still back on the pie? Yes. I can't believe for you, pumpkin pie comes before the apple pie. Apple pie always goes first. So once again, no challenge. Okay, my second draft pick then, I'm taking uh, the green bean casserole. Cause I and not because of the green beans. Those are fine. I really like the, the crunchy topping. 
the fake fried onions? I do. I just, as you saw at Thanksgiving, I just skimmed those off the top. I'm going to go with the uh, orange jello with the little orange mandarin oranges. Inside. Once again, disgusting. And you can have it. Wow. What a great Thanksgiving. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Drafting for the Leftovers podcast. I'm Joe Salcihi. I average Joe Money on Twitter. And I got the coffee ready. And I also have ready across the table from me. Mr. OG sporting his Walt Disney World mug. Did that uh, mug cost you about uh, five grand? Something like that. Although, to be fair, I don't think that I would be eating Thanksgiving leftovers a week later. We're like a two to three day leftover family. So you're yeah, saying these are all three days. You're saying these are all mine. This is all me. Yeah, it's all yours. Yeah. We have a food waste problem in this country, OG. We do. And it's mostly coming from your house. Oh, I'm not saying that we don't finish it. I'm just saying that if it gets past two or three days, yeah. if it made it that long. Agreed. Hey, we got a great show today. We got Lisa Rowan here talking about financial hacks, 275 plus hacks. We're probably not going to go through all those, but we might hit six or seven. <laughs> we might hit six or seven. Uh, we have some amazing headlines today as well. So why don't we get this party started? Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our first headline comes to us from uh, Washington, D.C., and this comes out of Investment News and is Bloomberg News. Janet Yellen last week tapped on the shoulder, said, hey, you want to be the new uh, Treasury Secretary? Uh, the headline says Janet Yellen at Treasury signals Biden's focus on boosting economy. President like Joe Biden's selection of Janet Yellen as Treasury Secretary signals that he plans to act aggressively to revive the world's biggest economy, putting a former Federal Reserve chair who is not shied away from stimulus at the helm of his economic policy. I'm not going to go too much into this. We obviously don't talk a lot of politics here. What I do want to point out, though, is that this is not the only piece I've seen written about this OG and seen people cheering and saying great stuff. How much in your personal financial plan is this going to affect things, OG? I don't think very much. And and I just, I, I, I didn't even know what to think about the headline when I saw it. I was it's like to revive the economy. The stock market's at an all time high is <laughs> what needs reviving. Well, we talk Interest about that as low as they can go. We talk about the economy. We talk about jobs coming back. We talk about 11 million people out of work. That's what they're talking about. I don't think it's, I, I think there's been largely a disconnect, but when it comes down to paying off my debt that I've done nothing about, and I'm reading this headline. Is Janet Yellen going to pay off my debt? Uh, no. Wait a minute. Hold on. Is Janet Yellen going to make sure that I rebalance my portfolio? Out of bonds because she's going to keep interest rates really low. <laughs> we do know that. I mean, I think she and Jerome Powell singing off the same song sheet. So we're probably going to see low interest rate. But, but, but hold on. Doing the little things that Lisa Rowan's going to tell us about today that add up all these little things that help me put more money in my pocket. I bet what you're saying then is Janet Yellen's going to help me with those. Probably not. What's up with that? Big flashy headline. Little teeny tiny impact on your life. Everybody in Moneyland talking about this and it drives me crazy. It yeah. drives me nuts. Focus on things that you control people, not on what's going on in Washington. How about something else you don't control? OG headline number two. This comes to us from the sun because when we, 
When you, <laughs> I caught you wow. with that one, didn't I? Wrong pipe. Yeah. You're like, whoa, are you talking about the sun, the London paper, the sun, the uh, tabloidy paper? Yes, I am. Uh, Richie, by the way, I believe found this one. Turns out that size matters. This piece is written by Becky Pemberton. And I bet Becky sent this one to her parent saying, look, uh, I'm now at the pinnacle. I told of my- you I would be a published author. <laughs> I'm at the pinnacle of my career. Finally. It's on her resume, on her CV. <laughs> What's the title of this uh, hard hitting economic research she did? How? Um, yeah, it's not a bad word, but this is a financial show. How uh, something size uh, determines your salary for men. And guys, it's good news for your bank balance if your is micro. <laughs> Becky, Becky writes. It's the age. you be rich. <laughs> you should be super wealthy. Doug. Yeah, oh, Doug should be. Oh, I'm broke. <laughs> just, just, just to define. Just putting it out there. Not that it matters. Figuratively. It's the age old question. Does size really matter? Well, it turns out the answer may be yes. Becky writes, it's been found that being well endowed doesn't necessarily mean being well off as some of the highest earners have the smallest according to a new survey. How much research was involved here? <laughs> and and how do you fact check, yeah. right? Yeah. You're like, hey, I've got this new story idea, boss. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, whatever you say. <laughs> volunteered for this survey. I don't think from a, uh, from a survey standpoint, even if it was anonymous, I don't think most men would check the small bank account, small... Uh, Big, big bank account, small thing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's not polite to talk about how big your bank account is. And most people don't want to talk about how small they're, you know. Yeah. Huh. The cheeky study, she writes, analyzed how size determines salary. And it was good news for bank balances if men had a micro. The onbuy.com survey commissioned 997 men to answer questions about work, salary, and size to see if there's a correlation between size and salary. They found that those uh, with three inches in length earned an average of 58 pounds. We're measuring stuff. Okay, cool. Yes. Earned an average of 58 pounds per year, which (laughs) translates to roughly $77,500 when we're recording this. However, at the other end of the scale, those with uh, a size that measured seven and eight inches earn an average of 38,000 and 27,000 pounds per year. In fact, people with eight inches plus, of course, there's an infographic for this OG. You know, when you do, you do this stuff, you got to have an infographic. I only imagine it was front page news. And of course, by the way, the graphics in the sun, a peanut, mm-hmm. a pepper, a banana, an eggplant, an ear of corn, and a French loaf of bread. I see. Yes. Do you think they had fun with this? Like whoever did the Becky, like what, what are our euphemisms going to be? <laughs> People with uh, eight inches plus not doing very well in any of the areas, so sales and marketing, manual labor, banking and finance, the arts, medical law, social services and education, business owners. But really, the sweet spot here looks like uh, six inches. About the spot, about the spot where where everything is. I, I actually let's actually turn that off for a second. It's obviously, 
it's obviously fun to talk about all these things that have nothing to do with your money, right? Like reading about this and going, well, apparently I should be a multimillionaire, Martha, but, um, but, but I'm not. Exactly. I'm small in every area. Just throw this stuff away, man. I mean, what are some other things that we look at that really don't matter? I'm thinking of this one. How about the study we see all the time about how much money you should have by a certain age? Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite. If you're 30, you should have this amount of money saved. You should have this amount of net worth by this age. And all it does is one of two things. Either it makes you smug when you shouldn't be because maybe your goals are much bigger than than whatever arbitrary goal they gave you. Or on the other side, it panics you when you can't go back and replace the past. There's nothing you can do differently. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get into trying to catch up doing stupid things with money because you read it on the internet. Yeah. Believe it or not, don't pay attention to pieces like this that have really nothing to do with your money. Just take action. I wonder do- if they also can layer on this, uh, this study with like pickup trucks. Like what size truck you drive? Yeah. So do you want them to compare? I have a theory about that. Do you want them to compare truck size yeah. with other size? Or with your bank account? All of it. I bet you, I bet you it, all, it all works together. <laughs> if you have a brand new F-250, you don't have any money, and you also have... Yes. You know, yeah. So you're I saying think. the bigger the pickup truck, the smaller everything else is? Um, maybe. Especially if it's new, because you know the payments on those trucks. Yeah. And that is that's That can be a, a ton of money. Uh, a house on wheels. Well, I like that study. How about the ones that you see all the time? Yeah, the you're wasting money if you're renting. You should always buy a house or or the alternative study, which is found on the other side of the page. You're wasting money if you're buying. You should always be renting. Those are my two favorites. It depends so much on your lifestyle. I mean, depends on if you're going to stay there for a long time. Owning a house can be fantastic. Well, not fantastic, but not cost you as much as if you suck as bad. Exactly. Yes. I don't think it's ever a phenomenal investment, at least your primary house. I'm totally with you. And if you rent, you're always on the hook of raising rent prices and you're not in control. Uh, The market's going to be in control. Speaking of that, by the way, OG, for everybody out there, do you own or rent your home? Well, sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know, it's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Geico easy. I think it's Geico easy to have one takeaway whether we're talking about Janet Yellen, the size of your truck, or own versus rent your home, focus on the things, OG, that start with your goals and not these ridiculous headlines. Janet Yellen, sadly, is not going to pay your mortgage for you, isn't going to make sure that your budget works out, and you probably shouldn't take a ruler to your hoo-ha to find out how big your bank account's going to be. Well, Lisa Rowan is a fantastic financial writer. The number of headlines, OG, that we've quoted here and on our Money with Friends show 
that Lisa's written to the top of the list. I swear we're saying her name all the time. This is our first time actually speaking with her though. So I'm super excited to finally have Lisa on the show. She is a staff writer at Forbes advisor. She covers banking and personal finance. She was previously the two cents personal finance writer over at Lifehacker. She's also been a senior writer and on-air analyst at the Penny Hoarder, where she covered the grocery and retail industries, consumer affairs, and features. Uh, She also, by the way, co-wrote The American Nightmare, a four-part series on the lingering effects of the foreclosure crisis in 2007. And in 2018, she launched a weekly advice column that you will find if you get the Tampa Bay Times. She's the co-host of a podcast. We'll talk about her podcast here in a little bit. But first, let's talk about financial hacks. Get the pen ready because we're going to bring them. Here comes Lisa Rowan. And on my dad's shortwave, it's our new friend, Lisa Rowan. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you know, we saw you in the New York Times and we thought, well, if the New York Times would have her on, we should probably have her visit mom's basement. (laughs) That's a pretty good indicator, I think. And I think my own mom would agree with that sentiment. Well, we were happy you said yes, because if you said yes to the Times and then to us, heck yeah, that's that's good stuff. (laughs) But, But let me ask you about money hacks. Where did you first become a money geek and fall in love with this idea of money hacks? You know, I ended up being a money geek because I liked making money. I was not originally a personal finance writer. I don't have a background in finance. I did very poorly on my math SAT and thought of myself as someone who would never do something with numbers, but I was always a good writer. And so I got involved in journalism. I was a writer at a very young age for a local newspaper. Please do not look up those articles. They are very bad. But As I developed over time, I took an interest in small business in the U.S. and eventually came around to, well, everyone has personal finances. It's not just small businesses that have to keep things running. It's you and I in our households as well. And it was doing assignments for a content marketing company back in 2013, 2014, that got me started writing about personal finance because we had a client who had a blog who needed articles about money. That client turned out to be the Penny Hoarder, one of the biggest personal finance websites uh, in the United States. And so I started freelancing for them more and more and realizing that money is so multifaceted. We all deal with it. And there's always something new to think about. There's always something new to learn. Even for me as someone who now it's been six or seven years that I've been writing in this area. So ended up being a full-time personal finance writer, first at the Penny Hoarder, then I went to Lifehacker. Now I am at Forbes Advisor, and I'm constantly finding new ways to help people do their money better. And that's just just not me preaching to the choir. Like, that's me talking about myself, too. I learn something new all the time. So when Simon & Schuster came to me and said, would you like to write a book about money tips? I said, well, I feel like I am quite qualified, Uh, so I should probably share what I have learned. And, you know, nine months later, we have a book, baby. I love the fact that you said that, you know, the math of money seems scary to people. And yet for you and I, I'm an English creative writing major, mm-hmm. you know, the math shouldn't scare you. The stories are so fun that you get to, you, I mean, with all of those publications you've written for, Lisa, some of the stories that you come across are just great life stories. 
Yeah. And the thing that you don't realize about money at first is, yes, if you're an accountant, you're going to be focused on the dollars and the cents and the spreadsheets, right? Because that's your job. But me as a writer, I'm thinking about the how and the why and the what and so much of what we do with our money and so much of how we make decisions around our money is not because of the numbers. It's because of what's happening in our brains. It's the psychology behind money. It's the sociology behind money. And so all of those, you know, social sciences that I was really into as a kid and as a student, you know, I have two history degrees. I don't even have a journalism degree. I, I bring my expertise from many areas, none of which include math. And so it just goes to show that with a little bit of interest, you know, you can end up you know, knee deep or waist deep in a subject that you would have never thought that you would end up being a quote unquote expert in. It's funny. Normally when we talk to authors like yourself, we, I try to dive in deeply to the first two or three chapters of the book so that during our time together, our audience gets a little something and somebody likes it. They get a nice introduction to the topic for your book we can just do the cover because, <laughs> because on the cover, there's so much meat, like there's so much stuff there. So I thought I might, if you don't mind, Lisa, go through a few of these hacks just from the cover and talk about these. And the one that I find the most intriguing that I know nothing about of your 275 plus hacks shop clockwise at the grocery store. Why, why do we shop clockwise at the grocery store? Cause I've thought about this. I've always been a counterclockwise guy and not on purpose. But tell me, are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm right-handed. And that is why you just follow the way that the store goes, because since more people tend to be right-handed, grocery stores are all set up so that you enter on the right side of the store, you drive the cart with your left hand, and you pick things off the shelves on your right. So you enter, you're veering to the right, you can just reach off, grab the bread from the bakery. It's hot. It smells fresh. Hit the salad bar, hit the meat counter. The way that they guide you through the store, they do it with right handers in mind. So if you can go against that natural grain that they set up for you, and once you know this, you will go through the store and you will see this. They have it all set up so that if you follow this counterclockwise pattern, all of the end caps are there waiting for you. All those buy one, get one displays that are seemingly are in the middle of your path. They are all designed to catch you with that right hand, just sticking out and grabbing stuff because they know it's your dominant hand and your monkey brain really wants to cheese it. So, you know, they, they know they're getting to, like I was saying, like the psychology in your head. So the next time you go to the store, try it and see if you spend less start. Um, even if you have to like bob and weave through the checkout section or customer service, try starting on the other side and see if you spend less. I'm not saying you're going to spend less time in the store because you'll probably have to rethink where everything is, Yeah, but if you can break that habit in your head, you can probably shave a couple of bucks off your bill because you're going to be less tempted by all those obstacles that were put there in your way. I'm even, that's phenomenal, by the way. I'm also thinking of our local grocery store. And the last thing, if we go around it counterclockwise that you get to are the treats and the beer and wine uh -huh. stuff. And I uh -huh. always think, well, all the stuff in my cart, this stuff will go great with it, right? A little dessert, maybe some <laughs> wine. So if I start with the dessert and the wine, I'm probably less likely to buy that stuff. You know, I'm going to skip that area altogether, healthier for me and my wallet and make my way back, back around the opposite way. 
Exactly. Because if you walk into the store and the first thing you see is beer and treats, you're going to say, oh, no, I'm not here for this stuff. I'm here to get broccoli. But if you start at the broccoli, by the time you get to the beer and treats, you say, oh, I deserve a little something. Absolutely. Else. <laughs> right. right. I'm not the one to say that you can't treat yourself every now and then. However, just be aware that these systems are set up to get you to spend in a certain manner. So just check yourself before you let yourself wreck yourself. Y'all. Wow. <laughs> y'all are going to edit that out of the episode. We are not. Please. That is staying. That is gold. <laughs> I think Lisa, we just found our, we found our title for the episode. <laughs> check yourself before you wreck yourself. Lisa Rowan. <laughs> TM. We'll put a TM after that. Yeah. Another one that intrigued me before we get to the one, but before we get to a couple, really, don't get me wrong. That was practical, but I had no idea where you're going there. This is, this is another one. Fill your gas tank on Monday. Why do we fill our gas tank on Monday versus Friday? This is a weird one. And I didn't believe it till I looked at the data about when gas prices go up and down, because, you know, you see it all the time. The reason that the prices are digital on the board at the gas station is so they can change them whenever they need to. It's supply and demand, right? But think about when you might be thinking about your own supply. So maybe it's the end of the work week. You're done with your commute. If you're someone who still commutes and maybe you're about to go maybe camping for the weekend with your family. What are you going to do before you leave? You're going to fill up the gas tank, right? Because you're going to make those extra trips or you're just going to do something fun for the day, for the weekend. Gas stations know this. They raise the prices on Thursday and Friday because they know that everyone is gearing up to do something special or to let loose. So if you can plan your life so that you hit the gas station, maybe on the on the way to work on Monday morning instead uh, you're probably going to save anywhere between one to five cents a gallon. That is not a lot when you look at it on the per gallon scale. But if you fill up your car once or twice a week, it might make a difference. So it, it's one of those things where it does not always work all the time for you to say, I'm only going to buy gas on Mondays. I'm going to, you know, make sure that I'm getting the absolute best price all the time. But if you can rethink you know, maybe every fourth or fifth time that you fill up. Oh, hey, is it Saturday? Could I wait until Monday morning to get gas? Sure. Or, you know, maybe it's Tuesday and I know that I'm going to take a couple extra trips in the car this week. Maybe I'll top off now before I get down to that halfway point or that quarter tank point. So as with most money hacks, they're not. So, you know, this book has 275 plus tips in it, like 280 or something. We started with over 300 and narrowed some of them down, if you can believe it. And they're not all going to apply to everyone. And they're not all going to apply all the time. But the thing that I hope people get out of this is to be able to find a good handful of things that they can adopt and say, oh, this really works for my life. Let me build this into my money habits. And, you know, buying gas at the cheapest time might be one of the things you can pick up. Well, that's what I was thinking, Lisa, when you were talking, I was thinking I got to buy gas anyway. It's an easy habit to begin buying gas on Monday instead of Friday. That's to your point, maybe not a ton of money, but I'm going to buy it anyway. So why not buy it on Monday versus buy it on Friday? Exactly. And it just brings a new awareness into that part of your money life. If you're driving past the gas station, you drive past every day in the first place. Just take note of whether you see a variation in prices throughout the week, because that might help you find what's best for you. A couple of these very, very practical ones that maybe some of our listeners haven't heard set up banking alerts. Tell me about that one. 
I am such a big fan of banking alerts. Okay, so I have various different bank accounts, savings accounts, even credit cards. I have alerts for everything. I get an alert on my phone when somebody, when I log into my own account, I get an alert when I've gotten paid, when my account is below a certain point. It is very easy to set up all manner of alerts in your accounts by going online and just selecting the ones that you want. And you can set up all these trigger points. Uh, maybe it's a balance. Maybe it's when a transfer is completed. Whatever you need to make yourself more aware of what's happening with your money. The thing that hurts the most, I think, for a lot of people is when you don't think about your money all month and then the statement comes in the mail or that statement arrives online and suddenly you are faced with a month full of purchases or a month full of savings transfers that you wish had been bigger or a month uh, full of credit card charges that you forgot how much you tipped when you went to dinner. Yeah. Or you think in your head you had enough money and some automatic thing came through and there wasn't enough. And now you, your first alert is a bank fee. Yes, exactly. And so by putting in all of these guardrails, by putting alerts on your accounts, you can, you know, set off the, it's kind of like you're in a pinball machine, right? And you're just like bopping around and the lights come on when they need to, to tell you something, whether it's you're doing a really good job or you're going to need to do something to keep yourself in good standing, right? So it does not necessarily mean that you have to spend time every day logging into every single account and checking every single balance. But if you can set up some of these alerts to either have them go to your email address or to pop up on your mobile phone if you have a smartphone, these can really help you get that quick glance at the status of your money without taking a whole lot of time to actively manage what's going on. There's a lot of new uh, fintech stuff, uh, Lisa, that banks have now. Is there, is there any of those things that you really like that somebody that hasn't maybe checked out their banking features now that banking features are online that you might suggest people look into? Yeah, you know, I feel like almost every bank has a feature now where they have a chat bot that's either on their app or on their online banking platform that allows you to think about your money in terms of regular questions and answers. You know, you can ask these devices, uh, you can ask these services, you know, how much did I spend on on coffee this month? And they'll show you all of your transactions from coffee shops. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah. And it it makes it more intuitive than either having to comb through your statement or to be searching through the help section of your bank's website. So definitely look first at the applications that your bank is reminding you to use. I know that Bank of America has Erica, Capital One, I believe has Eno. And these are these just fun little devices that you can add on to using your app, your online banking, um, just to get a better picture in plain language of what's going on with your money. What about these roundups uh, that some banks do? Do you like those? I love anything that rounds up. I prefer the ones that do not charge you money for the service. (laughs) (laughs) So, for example, if your bank allows you to round up your debit purchases and put the excess into a savings account that's tied to your checking account, I think that's best because it's all in one place. I personally used that for a while when I was just getting started to build an emergency fund. I would set automatic transfers into that savings account. And it was like $25 a week when I was first getting started, right? It was any amount. But then if you can add 50 cents, 75 cents, you know, per transaction over the course of a week as you're buying, you know, things like groceries or gas or whatnot, I think that's a huge benefit to really boost your savings with 
with very little resistance from your brain, right? Because if you're trusting yourself to always be making those transfers, are you going to do it? Nope. No. Never in a million years. Make it easier for yourself. I'm a fan of automating everything, you know, automate as long as you know that your income is predictable, automate transfers to every payment and every savings account. But if you can get a little nudge to where your bank is helping you out, like go for it. And that statement right there, Lisa, is why you and I are now BFFs right there. Yes, automate (laughs) everything. Uh, Let's turn to insurance because on the top left of the cover, it says to grab an umbrella. You know, it's the logo for every insurance company you'll ever see is an umbrella because it's there to protect you when it rains and not only rains is when it pours. So you have your auto insurance, you have your home or renter's insurance, you have your health insurance. But what you may not know that you need is extra insurance for the extra stuff in your life. So if you have a swimming pool, if you are a landlord, if you coach your kid's sports team, you may want to have umbrella insurance in the event that something happens and you need protection beyond what your regular plan offers you. Now, you know, there is an added expense to getting an umbrella policy, but if you are adding on top of what you already have, you know, you need to be thinking about what you would rather do, take a risk or pay a little bit extra to be able to have that extra protection. And for instance, if you have a swimming pool and you have kids and your kids like to have their friends over, look, I'm speaking in COVID free times, right? I live in a fancy world. Right. Remember we used Uh, to do all this stuff, right? I'm also talking in the middle of winter about pools. So you can tell I live in Florida. But if, you know, you want to make sure that everyone who comes over your house and has a great time also is protected from if there's a slip and fall, if there's an accident, you need to know that you're protected if you're going to be the host with the most. Right. So the thing you need to know about umbrella insurance is that it only kicks in above the amount of your regular policy that you have for your house, your car, whatnot. So talk to your existing insurance provider about any additional coverage you may need, depending on what those extra issues in your life are that may warrant just like having a little bit of an extra cushion. I haven't been a financial planner in a long time, but back when I was, I love this umbrella advice, Lisa, and to afford it. And and to your point, it really isn't that expensive, but to afford it, sometimes if you had that emergency fund in place, we talked about with the roundups, so you've done the roundups, you get your emergency fund in place. Now you can go and raise your deductibles a little bit on your homeowners Mm -hmm. or your car insurance, and that'll pay for the umbrella so that your out of pocket is the same, but now you have insurance that really fits your life more. Exactly. And the the example that I use in the book is that a one million umbrella insurance policy costs between one hundred fifty and four hundred dollars a year. So we're not talking about a huge amount of money. And I know that there's probably some people out there who are saying, hey, girl, I thought you were going to save me money with this book. But, (laughs) you know, when you get into some of these later chapters about making money, thinking about you know, your later years, retirement, investing, insurance, a lot of it is about protecting what you've already grown. You know, you want to make sure that you have the resources available to have a long, rich life and be able to live the way you want to. So it starts with doing things like maybe buying fewer cups of coffee. I'm not going to tell you to eliminate the coffee, No, but by making small changes earlier, you can make bigger changes down the line. I, I'm not taking your caffeine away. I will. <laughs> no, I'm not. None of it. You can have it all. You can have it with whipped cream. I do not care how much it costs. You can have it. 
I tried cutting out coffee twice and I got that horrible withdrawal headache and I realized that the headaches weren't worth it. It was, I'm going to keep my right. coffee because I don't want, is that if I a whip or what? I would rather have my sweet, <laughs> sweet caffeine addiction than to save that money. Look, all I drink at home is Folgers. Don't be playing with me about how I spend too much on coffee. That coffee <laughs> is cheap as heck and it is reliable. Uh, one last question. And that is whenever I talk to authors and they're exploring, like you clearly are in this book, right? The unearthing every hack you can find. Often you go in with a bunch of hacks that you knew and you wanted to tell the world about and other people don't know. But there's also things, Lisa, I know that, that surprise the hell out of people while you're making the book. Is there one hack that really, really surprised you personally? Oh, gosh, let me think here. I mean, I'm sure there is because it took a lot to write this book. I bet it I did. Wrote this, I wrote this book in seven weeks and it was just a a crash course in going through everything I had written in the past and like pulling out all the good stuff, right? Yeah. Like the hot gems. And then also looking through the tried and true advice that maybe just needs a little bit of rephrasing so that it like hits in our modern brains, right? Like there are some old lessons that mom and dad and grandma have been trying to instill in us since the dawn of time. Sometimes you need an impartial third party to just tell you. <laughs> but one of the things that surprised me that I thought was really cool had to do with credit. And I've always had an interest in credit cards, mostly because I am a glutton for punishment. And I really love being able to say that I have the hot, cool credit card. Um, you got the so, really you know, heavy I, one in your wallet. I really like having the heavy ones in my wallet, even if I don't do enough spending to actually warrant having them, especially now in pandemic times when I'm traveling zero places, I'm going from my desk to my couch. But I've always been interested in credit cards, doing credit better, having a great credit score. But one of the things that sort of clicked in my brain when I was doing this research was that you can reallocate your credit if you close a credit card. If you have maybe, I'm going to use the example of Chase because they have a ton of credit cards, right? And I have several Chase credit cards. And if I wanted to close one, well, I'm going to lose that that credit limit when the card gets closed. Right. And so right. now it's going to look like my utilization score is much higher. Uh, my utilization rate is going to be higher. And so my credit score could go down because all of a sudden there's that big chunk of available credit that is no longer available because it's been closed. You can ask to have your credit limit reallocated to another card in your account. So if you have couple of Chase cards, couple of Amex cards, you know, you're loyal to a particular variety of credit card. You can say, Hey, I've been a customer for a while. Uh, I want to close this card. This one's not working for me at this point in my life, but you know, is there any way I can transfer my credit limit over to my other card that I've had for a while? In a lot of cases, they'll let you do it. You have the same amount of available credit, but you don't have that extra card lying around that might have an annual fee that you don't want to pay. That's a great idea. So you're idea. saving a little bit of money, but still protecting your credit. Like we always tell people, don't go closing old credit cards if that's going to make your score look really good because, you know, length of time is an important thing to make your credit score really yeah. healthy. Yeah. But if you're someone who opens credit cards for the bonuses and then a year or two later, you find like, oh, this card's not really doing it for me you might be able to preserve that, that credit limit, not because you're going to spend to the limit, but because you want it to be available and make your score look good. Yeah, that's fantastic. And once again, guys, when you pay your credit cards in full, the fun you can have then is absolutely amazing. And yeah. I didn't think about that. I mean, because for Chase, since we're using their them as an example, Lisa, with Chase, 
I can't imagine how they would care. It's the same amount of, let's say it's $3,000. It's the same $3,000. It's just in a different pocket. So that's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. Why wouldn't they do it? The book is 275 plus ways to decrease spending, increase savings and make your money work for you. It's called money hacks. And I'm assuming Lisa, it's available everywhere. It's available everywhere you find books, including many local libraries, because people keep writing to tell me that they have requested it at their library. And that warms my heart. That is fantastic. Well, what I was thinking about for this book in particular, as I'm leafing through it, is that you could take 275 days and do like one money hack a day. And like you said, three quarters of them work for you. Some don't. But every day you just take a like, don't try to eat this whole book at once. Just take one a day, try to implement it and go. Yeah, it's snackable because if you're going to try to absorb so many tips and tricks at once, they're all going to fall right out of your head. So, you know, take a minute, try them out. Don't feel discouraged if a bunch of them don't work for you because everyone's money is different. But, you know, hopefully there are a lot of options that you can at least test out in your life. Well, one place where you have combined both, uh, I guess, a frugal nature and being a fashionista is that you were a vintage store owner for a while. And I would be remiss before we said goodbye if we didn't talk about your <laughs> podcast. Ah, thank you. Yeah. I co-host a weekly podcast called Pop Fashion. It is about the intersection of fashion and business and culture. And it was started by uh, myself and my partner, Karen. We met back in D.C. about 10 years ago, and she was a merchandiser and a stylist. And I was a vintage and thrift store blogger who later opened a store. And we were both in that mindset of you know, looking the best with whatever your budget could allow for and just being confident in your style. And we started podcasting about it. That was a time when fashion podcasts did not exist because everyone thought you needed pictures. Which, which I'm thinking you know, about still help. six years ago, you were first on that in that area. You know, it was that like it was the second wave of podcasts, but it was the first wave of like women in podcasting and fashion and beauty related podcasts. And so we got in with our like at home podcast for like recording studio in her apartment. Her husband, God bless him, would, you know, just like tolerate these blankets everywhere <laughs> for years and we'd be huddled up in there. Y'all know how it is if you have a podcast, you know. <laughs> And now we've graduated to doing it over Zoom and Skype uh, weekly. She's still in D.C. and I'm in Florida. But we just love being able to talk about what's happening in the world of, you know, like what you wear and how you buy it, which ends up tying back into my personal finance work. So I just can't escape that money. Right. Absolutely not. Uh, and we'll link to Pop Fashion, by the way, also on our show notes, along with the book, guys. If you're out walking the dog or doing whatever you do, we'll have a link to, to both of those great things Lisa does. Lisa, thanks for hanging out with us and talking hacks and a little bit of fashion at the end. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Hey, trivia hacks. I'm your pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I'm going to be honest. When I first heard about the topic for this show, I got pretty excited. I thought Lisa was going to spill the gossip on some of the personal finance hack celebrities that are out there. But alas, this was a different kind of hack. But I still like my concept more. So I'm going to fill you in on a few complete hacks out there. First, don't get me started on Suze Yorman or however you say her name, Suze 
is the queen of blanket generic advice and acting like it's gospel. Remember people, don't subscribe completely to a guru, unless it's me, because your financial picture is unique. Yeah. Unique. Oh, unique. It's unique. Before I tell you about another hack, let's get to today's trivia. Like that tip about grocery shopping? Well, here's one. If you're grocery shopping left-handed in the United States, what grocery chain are you more likely to be left-handed grocery shopping in than any other? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can learn to snap your fingers on your left hand. I could never do that. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, no, that's not happening. Well, Stackers, if you've listened to this show the last, what, eight, nine months now in a different place than you used to before COVID, you know that the way we work together seemingly changed overnight. And if there's one thing we've learned for adapting business, having access to the right resources is essential. It's just like we talk about with your personal financial situation, right? It's crucial to maintain a strong digital presence. 2020 has been the year of uncertainty. So how can your business plan for the unexpected and operate virtually? Well, finding the right talent can be time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive. Difficult to keep up with current best practices for maximizing your digital presence. And that's why Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. In fact, when we've used Fiverr, we've used lots of their voice talent. We have used editing. We've used, what haven't we used from Fiverr? We've used uh, visual packages, just all kinds of great people working there. And what I love about it is that when we go search for people, it doesn't take all day. You can search by service, by deadline, price, seller reviews, and more. You don't have to play any guessing games. You know exactly what you're going to pay up front. You don't have to go through this long negotiation. It's all right there. And pricing is always project-based, not hourly, which I think is also important. 24-7 customer service. Reach out with questions anytime, anywhere. And it's also a network of people you can count on this time that's difficult uh, for all of us. These people are people that you can count on right now when it seems like a lot of stuff <laughs> you can't count on. Freelancers have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world, like Stacking Benjamins. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by going to, uh, oh, guess what? If it says you use our code SBSTACKERS and you'll get 10% off. Uh, find all the digital service you need in one place at FIVERR.com, code SB. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code SB. I like it when I read the whole thing and I find out, cool, we got 10% off for you. You're welcome. And if you think that's amazing, you want to hear something else amazing, especially if you pay off your credit cards every month, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Hey, stackers, it's me, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, dishing on another financial hack. One guy I just can't understand is that Dave guy from 
Tennessee. I mean, it's all method hinges on baby steps. Baby steps? Are you joking me? I'm a grown-ass man. I need big boy steps. And how am I supposed to buy everything I want if I don't have a credit card? Come on, Dave. Doesn't make a lot of sense now, does it? If this guy can get famous, then maybe I should come out with my own big boy steps and get myself famous or more famous. Now that I've sufficiently roasted Dave and Sue's, let's get back to today's trivia. Question was, what is the largest grocery chain in the U.S.? Coming in at third with $61 billion in revenue across its 2,323 stores, it's Albertsons. In second with revenues of $121 billion across its 2,759 stores, it's Kroger. And coming in first with $288 billion in revenue from 4,253 stores, not surprisingly, it's Walmart which added another $226 billion on the retail side. Now that I'm proven I'm no hack, I gotta go. See ya! Big thanks to Lisa for coming and uh, chatting with us about hacks. Just those hacks, the ones on the front cover, that's it. 269 plus more hacks on top of that. I think I'm going to try that one, OG, about grocery shopping the opposite way. I'm going to try that one out. Yeah, I've heard, you know, you talk about working with MetPro. When I was working with them, one of the things that we talked about with shopping is actually to only shop on the outside. Yeah. The problem is that that doesn't actually save you money because that's all the healthy stuff. And generally the healthy stuff is more expensive, right? You, yeah. If you're trying to save money, you're buying the box pasta and and, you know, spaghetti sauce. You're not... You're not making your own by crushing tomatoes. And I guess, are there a lot of people that make their own pasta? I'm not sure, but, but allegedly it happens. But, but you know what I mean? Like the outside of the store is where all the good stuff is for you. The inside of the store is where all the technical garbage is for you. But Mrs. OG does the shopping, so I don't, oh. I don't ever have to worry about shopping backwards or forwards. Well, I'll tell you what happens because I do uh, some of our shopping. If I go the correct way around at our grocery store, like she was talking about the, uh, bakery is at the end. And, you know, speaking of Metro, Jesse doesn't allow any of and that by, stuff. And by then you're super hungry. So you're like, yes, I should have a loaf of sourdough. Well, and I think all this healthy stuff I've already put in my, in my cart. I'm like, look at 90 of those and only one of these like big deal. <laughs> you definitely have a Starbucks Frappuccino right now. And a loaf of cinnamon bread, just in case. But it's not the Starbucks Frappuccino. I'll tell you what it is. The last thing at our local grocery store is the beer wine section. And I'm always like, oh, you know what? I should probably just grab one or two of these. Yeah, just to be safe. Yeah, not great. Great hacks. And then filling up your car. I love the fact, too, that she says, oh, gee, these are not the big, heady things. Like we talked about, Janet Yellen's not going to pay your bills. You still have to pay your bills. But these little things over time... If you're going to fill up your car anyway, and you're out every Monday through Friday, if you're working outside the home or you're in your car, just fill it up on Monday, you know? Yeah, it all adds up. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline OG and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. There's a new uh, breakfast place in town. We're talking a lot about food lately. There's a new breakfast place in town. I think we might have to go check that out after we get done with this recording sesh. Speaking of that, 
that's a hard word for me to say. Sesh. I want to uh, say a big thanks to the people at FinCon for including me. They had a virtual conference. There were about 10 of us that actually did things live. And uh, Cheryl and I decided to go with our friend Paula, uh, who was emceeing this year's uh, financial media conference. That's what FinCon is. Decided to take her to a place that you and I like, the Dream Cafe. You guys drove all the way downtown to it? No, the one that's in, in Addison, uh, which was... Oh, they, they reopened it? Well, no wonder it didn't. I was about to tell you, I'm like, dude, so it took me to this location that was really cool, but it was way over by the Arboretum. Huh. Yeah, the one in Addison's closed. No wonder. I didn't really like the one in Addison, but I love the Dream Cafe. Yeah, we don't go downtown. That's the thing about, you know, the Dallas area. You know, we've been here seven years and we have our favorites, right? Like our favorite steak place, our favorite Italian place and, you know, date night place and all that sort of stuff. But you could almost go out to dinner and lunch and breakfast every single day to a new place for years and never run out. Yeah. For years. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do when there's like, you're like, oh, I want to try that restaurant, but. There's 700 other ones that I wanted to try also. Yeah, mm-hmm. lots to do there. It's actually your loved ones and your time, maybe over breakfast, oh, hanging out. What, what we're talking about. All I'm thinking about is Crab Cakes Egg Benedict now from Dream Cafe. <laughs> that sounds so good. I, I'll take the cloud cakes, the ricotta cheese that they put in those pancakes. Just That's pretty good. Just, but, but however, once again, Jesse at MetPro, if she had any idea. Tell her to put her earmuffs on. Yeah, just don't video me when we're out at breakfast and uh, put it on the internet because she'll see it. But Haven Life, back to, were we talking about Haven Life? Uh, they want you to spend more time with your loved ones, which is why they make it super easy to buy life insurance. You can get back to the important things. They give you an instant coverage decision. Their application's super simple, much, much shorter than the ones I used to work with with clients back when I was a financial planner. Prices are affordable. And of course, you're always worried about making sure the coverage is there when you need it. So they're backed by Mass Mutual, more than 160-year-old insurer. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Nick. Say hi, Nick. Hi, Joe and OG. My name's Nick from California. I've had the issue with trying to get disability insurance for my wife. She's had some previous depression and anxiety issues. How would you guys suggest to cover this gap in insurance that we have. Wow. Thanks for that question, Nick. See proof that a really uh, tough, crunchy financial planning question, OG, does not have to be a soliloquy. Just straightforward, difficult question. How do you solve that gap, OG? Well, the thing about risk management is that you're trying to solve the cash flow problem in advance, right? You're trying to say, if this thing happens, what's the plan on the shelf? And sometimes the answer is buy more insurance. And sometimes the answer is have a different plan. If you have certain issues, whether it's life insurance or disability or long-term care, or, or I mean, there's people who can't get car insurance, right? If you're a terrible driver, you're just going to be hard to insure or rather uninsurable. Every different type of insurance has, has limitations associated with it. Mental illness is one of those limitations for most disability policies is a lot of companies just don't want to get involved in that, unfortunately. So you have to think of a new plan. And one of those things that you could consider are making sure that you have an adequate cash reserve. 
if your wife is working outside the house and sounds like she is by the fact that you're trying to get some uh, disability coverage, maybe she has workplace coverage. So you want to take full advantage of workplace coverage or you could also look at associations that she belongs to. You know, I know, for example, being a CFP, we have the ability to buy into a group plan that's all CFPs and that's put together by the financial planning board. So I love that idea. Uh, so there's a couple of different options there where you can get some kind of groupish coverage. And if that doesn't exist and it's just not possible to qualify for whatever uh, medical issues in the past. And by the way, it's not just mental illness. It's if you have back problems, disability people don't want to have insurance on you. If you have knee problems, they don't want to have insurance on you. I know right? there's great chiropractors out there, but man, I remember, I don't know if it's still the case, but if you check the box that said that you see a chiropractor at all, yeah. they're like, nope. Yeah. Could be an issue, right? So, so it's not just that it's, it's other things, but really what you want to do is you want to game plan that now. So what would happen if all of a sudden your spouse's salary went to 50%. You know, let's say that the group coverage covers 50 cents on the dollar. What changes would you make to your lifestyle? The idea behind this exercise is to have the plan on the shelf in advance because if something bad happens, you don't want to be combining financial decisions and emotional decisions, kind of these high-stress environment times, making those decisions at the same time. So maybe you'd say, oh, if there is a long-term illness or injury, we are going to reduce our retirement plan savings by this, or we're going to pull our kids out of private school, or we're going to get rid of one car, you know, so we're going to have one car payment or, you know, play that game out so you can see like, how would I cover this? You know, I need to have a little extra cash reserve in case or whatever. And that'll take that stress around the event and the money issue of it away at that time. So insurance is sometimes the answer, but I think far more important is the exercise of so what do we do if and yeah. write it out in bullet point form, throw it on the shelf and then hopefully nothing bad ever happens. And if it does, you just pull that piece of paper out. You've already got it. I love that idea. I love the idea of widening this argument, right? Because this is the argument, you know, I often get frustrated when I hear this is what bankers don't want you to know. This is what Wall Street doesn't want you to know. But seriously, I don't know if they care if you know or not, but I don't think most people selling insurance want you to start with anything other than what insurance should you buy and why should you buy this insurance? They want to start with the features and benefits of the type of insurance they buy. And really widening that argument, I think, is a super important thing that insurance companies are not going to ask you to do. Take it from what insurance should I buy to how do I cover this issue? So initially, OG, I think of a, of a couple, and these are long-term, by the way, the short-term things, to your point, are going to be difficult, but that bigger cash reserve you talk about, I love the idea of the associations. Also thinking about where your streams of income coming from. The more that you can have multiple streams of income where you minimize the risk of her losing a paycheck also, I think, plays into your strategy, don't you think? No, absolutely. It's the same thing with like any type of coverage, right? I mean, if you look at your car, for example, at some point in time, you say, I don't need to have the whole enchilada package on my car insurance because A, it's paid off. B, I've got an extra, I've got enough money set aside. If something goes crazy, I can buy a new one in cash if I need to. The value of it is lower than it used to be. Disability insurance or life insurance, those things are really important when you have to create that, create that estate. But as you get further down the line and you've established yourself or you've saved some money and you've got a an investment portfolio already, you can say, well, 
I don't necessarily need as much, right? You know, you might, you might fi- be surprised that you can still make it without having it. And then, oh my gosh, the horrors. What do you mean? I shouldn't buy, I shouldn't buy insurance. Well, no, that, that mathematically you don't need it. Now there's the other side of it, which is kind of that pillow factor. Do you want to transfer that risk to a third party? But that's a whole different discussion. So right now I would say just kind of game plan it out and then see where you have those gaps and then decide how to cover those gaps. Great question, Nick. Uh, thanks for asking that. Cause I think a lot of people need to examine what they do in terms of uh, covering the, what if of a disability happens, if you've got a question for us, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. You can also write me Joe at stackingbenjamins.com or there's a contact form on our website that you can fill out. But if you're like Nick and you call in and ask us the question, you know what? We'll send you a greatest money show on earth circus t-shirt because that's what the Stacking Benjamin show is, is a circus. And uh, you can wear that proudly, Nick. Or I think it's suitable as a gift. It does check a box. Nothing thrills non-money geek spouses like Stacking Benjamin's t-shirts. Guaranteed. Actually, we have heard from a lot of people that their t-shirts got stolen because they're so comfortable. Like, I don't think they really care what's on it. It is a super comfortable t-shirt. To look at all of them, by the way, if you want to check out uh, Brad Lark's work, uh, who makes most of our shirts, it's uh, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash shirts. All right. That's going to do it for today, everybody. I want to end it a little differently today, OG. Today, you heard us talk about it. What are you going to do differently based on what you heard today? What step are you going to take to make your money situation different today than it was before? How about that? Let's lay down the challenge here, OG. Getting to the end of the year. Snappity snap. All right, Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. You're not the right size downstairs? Don't worry. There's lots of other stuff you can do to control how much money you earn. Second, take a lesson from Lisa Rowan. You don't need to spend countless hours to find a few more dollars every day. With just a few hacks over time, little things add up. But the big takeaway... Forget about those financial hacks, Dave and Suze. They're just, hey, what's that? A letter for me? Really? Well, that's great. I mean, who gets letters anymore? Let's just open this. Right here, let me uh, read this. Uh, Dear Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a cease and desist. Huh. Or we're going to have to. Whoa, that's harsh. You shall never. Okay. Okay. Huh. Um, oh, hey, those baby steps. Let's do them together. One step at a time, people. Baby steps are a great idea. And I love what you've done with your hair, Susie. Love, 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 love what you've done with it. A special thanks to Lisa Rowan for talking to Joe today. You can find out more about Lisa at lisarowan.com. We'll have a link to her book, Money Hacks, on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Taylor Stevens, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and 
There's a 73% chance that I played Chuck on Happy Days. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. On Monday, we were talking about weddings and uh, played a Nick Bergazzi piece, a comedian, and about his wedding. Any comical stuff happened at the OG wedding? Uh, no, but his name is Nate, not Nick. It's Bill. True. It is our podcast. We can call him whatever we want. No, it is Nate Bergazzi. Uh, no, I don't remember much from my wedding. Isn't that... Isn't that sad? I actually got that uh, advice from somebody. They said, number one, don't let the photographer push you around. And I will tell you that our photographer tried to push us around the whole time. Just get more and more pictures, more and more pictures. And finally, I told him like halfway through my reception, I'm like, I am taking too many pictures to actually have fun. I'm not enjoying any of this because I'm, I'm not seeing anybody but you while I'm taking all these shots of me supposedly having fun in an event I'm not having fun at. You should tell your wife that you didn't have fun at your wedding and see how that goes. Actually, she said the same thing. Uh, well, at the beginning, I mean, there were so many cool things. We were middle school track coaches, so we didn't invite our teams to the dinner. So we had a, per a nice dinner with family and close friends. But then after the DJ started, before we cut the cake, we invited our team. So halfway through our wedding reception, it was swarmed with seventh and eighth graders, which some people would go, Oh no, 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 no way. For us, it was an absolute blast. The dance floor was packed between, a I mean, you had every age person out there mm -hmm. dancing, which was a lot of fun. And by then, by the way, all of these pictures were over and we could just uh, celebrate and have a good time. I remember the important part for me, I got to work on the bar, like figure out what we were going to serve alcohol wise. And I was so happy that we had a keg of, and our friend John's going to just scream at his device right now, Labatt Blue. Nice. Forgot about Labatt Blue. It is a clean Canadian beer that everybody can drink, and John is going, you heathen. <laughs> I've had Labatt in ages. And every time I have it, I'm like, oh, this is what Bud Light should have tasted like had they uh, decided to put some taste in it. Yeah, I don't remember much from our wedding. Uh, I remember not being very hungry. <clears throat> we had awesome food, but I don't remember being very hungry, you know. Just because you were too amped up? 
too much stuff going on. Yeah, too many people around. Too much like sensory overload. Yeah, couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> no, not for that, but just like, <laughs> just like I was done. Oh. Like it was like all the build up for all of the event, you know. Yes. And then you get it, and you're like, okay, cool. <sighs> let's get the f out of here. <laughs> like let's let's go eat a subway sandwich, and which we did, by the way. That was probably the that was the advice that we got. And I don't know if we gave that advice to our best man slash maid of honor, what matron, I don't know, whatever, whatever the hell they're called, but they thought it up on their own. I, I can't remember, but in the hotel room, cause we stayed in a hotel that night in the hotel room, she had this refrigerator stocked with subway sandwiches, like just a turkey and ham with lettuce and tomatoes, you know, just so at midnight when we came in, we didn't have to like order room service there was bottles of water in there because, you know, the whole time it's loud and you're yelling. Yeah, and, yeah, I yeah. Love, I, love, I love you too, you know, and you might have a cocktail or five and and you get to the hotel room and you're like, I just want some normal food. And it was there. That was really nice. We stayed at uh, a bed and breakfast south of uh, Lansing, Michigan. It's a larger bed and breakfast that has a restaurant in it and has a, a little bar in the basement with only maybe six bar stools and two or three tables. It's an Irish looking place. And, uh, and we did, we did the same, we did the same thing. We, we actually went down to the bar. Cheryl was still in her dress. I was still in my tux and we left our reception, went down to this bar and sat on these bar stools. I still remember us sitting there on these bar stools and she's on in her dress and we're like, we're married. We're married. Ow. Yeah. That was, that was fun. I remember that, that may have been the most, the most fun part of the party. I remember really liking our honeymoon. And then we went back to the same place like 15 years later and we're like, yeah, no. <laughs> Where was it? Uh, I don't want to say cause. Frankenmuth? No. I might've actually already told this story before on the podcast, but we went on our honeymoon, had a great time. It was a really fun beach vacation. And then I don't know, probably about probably about six or seven years ago, we we're like, you know what? We had such a great time. We should go again. And when we got there, we we're like, yeah, this isn't our speed anymore. This not, is not uh, like, I can't wait to go home. Is it like Bill Perkins was talking about uh, when he was on where you have these segments of your life when it's appropriate to do things? And he talked yeah. about backpacking through Europe was cool yeah. when he was 25. But now that he's 50, he's way too bougie to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I, and I did all that stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. using that example is a good example, like camping, like my kids in Boy Scouts, he's like, dad, camping is so awesome. I'm like, yeah, no, like I'll drop you off at the camp. I will even stay near the camp. I'll, I'll even, I'll even slum it at like holiday Inn while you're at the camp, <laughs> you know, yeah, I still come I, and get you in the morning. I still love camping our honeymoon. I would like camping like in a camper. I'm talking about like on the ground, Tent the on the camp. ground pass. Yeah, no, like I've done that crap before, man. Like I am too damn old and I make too much money <laughs> to sleep in the dirt anymore. <laughs> just, I think about my back. I know that's what I'm saying. It's just like the whole conversation about the cottage up North. Yeah. And we've had that on this show before about the bed and the air conditioner, you know, my, uh, my right now with our new house being worked on, we have a mattress on the floor and I have a hell of a time getting up. That's when you know that getting old sucks because yeah. I can't get out of my own damn bed. It, it, 
I sound like I'm 142 years old as I'm trying to get my butt off of, off of the floor. Our honeymoon straddled New Year's and we were in downtown Charleston and Cheryl told me, she said, Hey, I'm, there's this party at the, I think it's called the Omni place. People in Charleston hanging out with us. Maybe Lori hanging out in Charleston will tell me if this is called the same thing, but the Omni place and the hotel right in the, it's the centerpiece of Charleston has a big gala. And Cheryl said, Hey, I got tickets to this. And I told her, I said, there's, there's, we, we do not want to go to this. Talk about that was too bougie for us. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, no, there, there is no, that Charleston's elite go to this party. We, I don't, it isn't even Charleston, by the way, wasn't there a movie? I feel like I've, said something to somebody the other day about this midnight in the garden of good and evil. Yes. That but that's makes, Savannah. Savannah. But Savannah, Charleston. I mean, same look in town. Yeah. Very similar look. Yeah. John Cusack is like a murder thriller who done it. Right. Uh, no. What's his name? Uh, Kevin Spacey. Oh, Kevin Spacey. There you go. Yes. Yep, you're right. But it was still kind of like a, a who, who done it. That's right. Yes. So I told her we're not going. She goes, yeah, I mean, this is a big thing. I'm like, it, it just, it just wasn't our speed. It wasn't that I don't want to hang out with the elite. It was more that I will be too on pins and needles about which fork to use at dinner. She's like, nope, we're going. So I said, well, we're going to have to get a tux. She's like, no, nope. Uh, I don't think so. Cause it doesn't say anything. I'm like, I am fairly certain there's going to be a tuxedo involved and a really nice, nice dress. So I called get somebody. I should have known when I had to explain what the event was to the person I was talking to three times. They're like, what event? Uh, you're having a new year's gala, new year's Eve, obviously. Do I need a tuxedo? Is this a formal event? And she goes, hold on, let me check. Comes back and goes, no, it's casual. It is. I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, it's casual. So we show up, I'm in jeans and a nice shirt. Cheryl is in a a nice, very casual outfit, walk around the corner here. They have this tunnel set up in the hotel lobby going into the ballroom where the lights are moving. Like you're transporting the new year. And then inside the tunnel, there's all kinds of glowing things saying the new year is you're, is you're going through time into this tunnel. And every freaking person there is in a tuxedo and a formal dress. So Cheryl and I go back up to the room. We're like, what the hell are we going to do? And she said, man, and this has always been my wife, who's such an adventure. She's like, you know what? We're here. We don't know anybody. Let's do our best. I had this Miami Vice looking jacket that I just threw in at the last minute, a pair of like corduroys and a clean shirt. So I put this thing on. Cheryl puts on the best thing she has. And we just walk in there and own it. And we sat down at our table, introduced to all these people in formal wear that we don't know. Ice sculptures, by the way, all over the place. This huge, remember back when you could do a buffet? Beautiful big buffet. Drinks were included. At this point, I don't know any of these drinks. So Cheryl and I decided we're just going to go up to the bar and try them out. By the way, never do this because the next day and maybe the day after that, you're going to pay for it. But we walked up and went, Tom Collins, never had one of those. Give me a Tom Collins. Give me an old fashioned. How about a uh, Manhattan? You know, just trying all these different drinks. And it was also the type of event. They had a Motown band playing on one end of the floor. And the second they got done playing, literally, OG, the second they got done playing their last note, 
the big band on the other end of the floor picked up. And so you'd have a set of this band, then a set of that band. The music was always playing. Anyway, we got to know the people at our table might've had something to do with all the drinks, told them the story about, you know, why we're so underdressed. And these people we had a blast with. We had a total blast. And I'm so glad that we actually. I picture you and Cheryl as like dumb and dumber with like the, <laughs> the blue suit and the orange and the orange suit. You're like, what's up? We're at the Save the Owl event. <laughs> with big top hat and a cane. That was totally us. In fact, it was funny. I remember close to 11 o'clock before the live news coverage started and the local coverage started, the local news crew set up just off the dance floor. And the woman looked right at us like, should I talk to them? And then goes, uh, no. <laughs> goes and finds somebody else to talk to about New Year's. But a great time. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.